What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and tonight I have an awesome panel of great freaking hosts. Tonight's going to be a blast. This is our first official Loot Bros Game Club. We're going to talk about Dead Space. We're going to jump into all kinds of stuff. And as fate would have it, we have a very diverse cast. I don't think anybody expected all these names and faces. He's talking us up too much. He's going to ask for money. <laughs> he already gets money from me monthly. <laughs> I'm going to ask for something. I mean, I let me know. hold a dollar. I'm going to need about tree fitty. I'm going to buy a tree fitty. God All damn right. Loch Ness Monster. I gave that Loch Ness Monster tree fitty last week. There you you go. gave him tree fitty last week. I gave him it yesterday. Oh, no, he was so scary. See? See, they get it. They get it, CJ. They get it. Speaking of, <laughs> CJ, how are you doing, man? Glad to have you tonight. Yeah, good, sir. I decided to crawl out from under the rock for for an hour or two and, and join you guys. I've been enjoying listening uh, to you. I I was look. I'm not going to say that I was slightly alarmed because I was majorly fucking alarmed a month or two ago when you said this was becoming a generic <laughs> podcast and you know no longer a gaming <laughs> podcast. Now, just because you don't play games, you don't have to make your audience suffer that fate. You know, we want to hear about the games. Uh, just make it up. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, but no, it's cool that you're 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 diversifying as well or whatever else. It's it's the way every podcast podcast goes every gaming podcast it is that. it so, is and so you've thing, really made it <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the thing that i the reason why i even brought it up is someone had mentioned to me that like yeah it's like two hours worth of bull crap in like 20 minutes worth of games i'm like <laughs> may, maybe we should just embrace that maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should just like you know what we're trying to be about games but sometimes we're just about the bull crap so sometimes we just start talking and cj you've been around long enough to know Sometimes we just start talking and it's like, what are we even here for again? Like, what are we doing? So. I, that's totally cool, Larry. It's funny because I heard that and I messaged Stylin on the Discord there and I said, oh, shit, I'm out. I said, I'm not interested <laughs> if there's no games anymore. And he like he loves random chatter, so he loves it. And even he's like, look, it'll be okay as long as they limit the wrestling talk to 20 minutes. Because <laughs> that's what we all thought it was going to come WrestleCast. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Is it no, even the Loop Bros if it's less than 20 minutes of wrestling talk? <laughs> oh my gosh so it's so funny because i really do try to be reserved with the wrestling talk because i could do it i could go i could go all night but i mean i mean i, I say that i'm not as young as i once you was, can you do know. it <laughs> uh but all right so you, you guys hear all these other great voices we got matt g in the house what's up brother i am here to preach the truth of pancake all other breakfast meals will be put to the blade oh bro bro okay so you bro, you come in are better though he came in oh. with the with the pancake talk right and then it planted something in the back of my head and i was like you know what the next cheat meal we need pancake <laughs> i need it <laughs> so we went to we went to um cracker barrel the other night 
I may or may not have said this on the show. I don't even remember anymore. I was in the middle of like my third wave of COVID in like a stupor. And I was like, man, we we got the cheesecake uh, pancakes from Cracker Barrel. Those things are slamming. God, they're so good. They're so good. So, anyways, that was that was the thing. I was like, you did that. I was like, I sat there and I ordered it. I was like, this is because of Matt right here. I got grilled chicken and bacon. And then my wife got the, I made her order the the cheesecake pancakes so that she could be judged, not me. And then we split them. We half and half. Oh, so freaking good. Man. See, he just it. ended up there because he was in such a weak state of mind that he misread the sign, thought it was a cracker Daryl. He's like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I thought it was the sign for the house. Cracker <laughs> Daryl. That is okay. We accept all into the cult of the pancake. And as long as you <laughs> enjoy the syrupy goodness, you are welcome. So I am on a quest now. I need to find the best pancakes in the Southeast. Like I, that's something I've never really explored. You know, like there's every now and again, I get on like a, like a hankering for a certain type of food and like, man, I need to just have this at every place that offers it. And so <laughs> like, that's kind of my, my thing right now. I mean, I like this pancakes is, are good pancakes, Daryl. So down here we have what we call eggs up grill. Oh and yeah. They, dope. Bro. They make some killer pancakes, especially when they do their seasonal pancakes. And uh, so I got to find more eggs up style establishments that make wonderful pancakes. So got to do it. Um, speaking of pancakes, bringing up the rear, we have our, uh, I guess the biggest celebrity in the room, you know, the official legacy comics artist <laughs> of the year. I wish. I wish I was a celebrity. <laughs> I keep getting all these little teaser photos of things that are going on back there in the legacy. And I'm like, good Lord, man, this is, this is incredible. Uh, we want to welcome my co-host to the Loot Bros comic cast and the uh, MVP in the comic industry for 2022. We got Josh Adams. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Man, I'm telling you, y'all are doing so much crazy, cool stuff over there. Man, like, we're trying. We got so much stuff coming out. I'm working on like five different books right now <laughs> and teaching. What's funny is you and you and Patrick both are doing that because he just he starts back teaching. He's at PAX West right now. Yeah, he, he's, he's in Seattle now today. Yeah. And yeah, he's doing some panels over there. So Patrick's gonna be joining us on the show again here soon. Uh and he's gonna be talking about some of the games he's voice acting in, some of the books you guys have just recently announced. You know, some of the 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 things that are going on at Legacy because he you guys are staying so busy. He's like he's he's got to make keep making rounds to to kind of promote his stuff. And then uh, we're gonna have Dan, writer of the uh, Godfo Universe books, the uh, Polyon Twenty XX, and the uh, all the upcoming stuff you guys have that is, isn't even announced yet. The uh, writer of the Lamentations, um, Lamenta- what, what, is it just Lamentations or yeah, uh, Lamentations? And, and like, man, there's there's so much coming. <laughs> it's just. It, it's going to be exciting times. Yes, that's, that's awesome stuff. So, yes, yeah, so we got Dan. He's going to be a guest on the show next week. So we got some really cool stuff, man. I'm glad you were able to make it this week because you kind of set the cadence for the next couple of weeks of guests. Um, and, you know, just to kind of forewarn everybody, we're not just going to talk about games. We're not just going to talk about comics or wrestling. I mean, mainly wrestling. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. Your favorite. You guys, come on. You guys love the wrestle talk. Um. Anyways, so yeah, thank you guys for coming on here. This is Loot Bros Podcast. Just a little housekeeping real quick before we get into all the good stuff. We have a Patreon. Uh, That Patreon, we got a lot of new content on there. We've been dropping our monthly Super Loot Bros. We got our monthly deep dives, which this month's deep dive will go live this weekend. Um, 
a little behind scheduling wise on a handful of things. But we're not just going to do one deep dive. We're going to have two deep dives for this month. So if you subscribe to the Patreon at the $5 tier or more, you're going to have not one, but two episodes coming your way. Double I've penetration. Been, that's right. That's coming in from both sides. Oh, shit, is the, webca- is the webcam on again? Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to blur the background, but it's not really working. <laughs> no, not again. I get a charge for that. Damn it. That's right, man. I could could have fired up the only fans but here i am giving away That's the good at least 50 cents worth of uh, pleasure there you go. <laughs> all right daryl pop that top off there you go let's do it hey um but also we have the patreon we're gonna give a toast to our patreon producers uh, so this month we have uh mz nitro uh, my name is effing mayo and the uh the true achievements leaderboard champion sadic he is uh he wow. has joined the ranks and he's been laying it down for you guys uh, and even though it didn't technically hit uh, in time, we're going to give a shout out to our man, Redbeard Rick, who's also a Patreon producer. Uh, he will definitely be a Patreon producer for the month of October because that's actually when it goes live. But you know what? We're going to give him a shout out anyway. So thank you so much for all your support, guys. Oh, that, was a, that was a hefty pop right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody wasn't slurping a drink back there. <laughs> Easy, uh, look i want to add to that toast because look as as the, as the listeners as the listeners may not know daryl lives a good portion of his life on facebook and so we get to live it with him we get to see how his kids are having breakfast what they're doing for the day how his wife's going uh shout out uh and you know what he's up to because he has a lot of time now he's an mlo officer in case you didn't know um i'm yeah. sure I'm, you know i've heard uh but no i want to give him a serious shout out because you know when you start working for yourself money is tight you know food can be tight as well and this man i i looked at his picture today on facebook and i thought you know what's what's the man who's got it all what's he doing today uh or whatever else and i couldn't see him in the photo this is the shrinking man so you're doing an amazing <laughs> job and someone put there i wanted to put it but i thought oh, oh you know it must be my eyes but someone said you need to start buying some new clothes and it's true sir because like you are you're like a quarter of the dude now so congratulations that's awesome thank you thank you and it is a 50 pounds since march and I like I, it's funny because like that shirt, I was like my favorite shirt mm. and I have bought uh, smaller clothes since then. But yesterday I, I, I hit the gym. I did a few things and then I needed to kind of run some errands. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw on some sweat shorts and just my old favorite comfortable shirt. No one's going <laughs> to see me. Right. No one's yeah. going to see me. And then my neighbor, he calls me. I'm in the middle of a couple of files that were just like blazing on fire. Everything that could go wrong was trying to go wrong. And he's like, hey, man, I need you to come outside like right now and give me a hand with something. I'm like, okay, cool. I need to get away from the computer. I need to go out there. The Joker, he had scooped up this giant freaking turtle. I mean, this thing was as big as one of my dogs. <laughs> and it was snapping. It was mad as hell. And you guys are not going to believe me, but I swear to you, if I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying right here, right now. <laughs> I held that turtle up in that picture by his tail and his little bee hole was stretched out, right? <laughs> that joker went to go snap at my leg and he farted and I watched <laughs> his little turtle bee hole. <laughs> <laughs> I have never in my life seen anything like that. And <laughs> I was laughing so 
hard. So that picture, you see me of the shrinking man in the oversized T-shirt that he has no business wearing anymore, Gross. holding a 25-pound turtle. I'm laughing hysterically because as it tried to bite me, it farted at me. And I was just like, I can't believe that was an audible thing that I heard from a turtle. It was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and being American, cut to 20 minutes later and the turtle is on your barbecue, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> nice cook up. Dude, you, you joke because my, my neighbor said, dude, I want to eat him, but I don't want to be bothered with cleaning him. <laughs> <laughs> so we took him down like the, the my, my property touches the water. Uh, we, the, there's like a lake behind us, whatever. And uh, so we took him down to the bottom of the, of the woods and threw him in the water. He was pissed, though. He was mad. I bet he but, was. If somebody picked me up by my butt, I'd be mad too. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. But yes, Imagine see, you're just living your life, doing your thing, and here comes Daryl <laughs> picking you up by your ass and laughing at you while you fart. <laughs> it, it, to be fair though, that turtle is bigger than your smallest child, so you know you, yes, you can t- you yeah. can take it inside and adopt it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought about putting uh, pa- Paxton's little Spider-Man Crocs on him and just seeing how he acted for the day. You never know; he might have been better behaved. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank I appreciate it, CJ. And yes, my that was a uh, uh, Officer Blackwell that noticed that I am in fact shrinking, and I did. I have lost a bunch of weight, and it's been good. Uh, my wife, she's lost a bunch of weight too. So we've been. Um, We've been doing this program. I mentioned it on the show before. It's called E2M, Eager to Motivate. And it's a mixture of clean eating, fasting, and um, uh, self-torture, I guess, really. <laughs> and you really got to hate yourself to put yourself through what we're doing. But it's gotten pretty easy. This is te- It's broken up into eight-week rounds. So like you do eight weeks of, of clean eating, and the menu changes every week, and it makes it more difficult. You know, some weeks are just like really difficult. And then you, you get one cheat meal a week, you know, and this past round, you know, this past eight weeks we did, you know, we had, we've had COVID go through the house, strep throat go through the house twice. And then we get this weird transition week where they give us a week off essentially. So I was very like, man, I'm going to gain all my weight back, <laughs> you know, cause I've been eating like a friggin' just a slob. Uh, but actually I weighed in this morning at my lowest weight yet. So I started the program at 304 pounds, all muscle, no fat. So don't worry about it. <laughs> And I weighed in this morning at 255.8. So I'm right about, I mean, I'm a few ounces away from 50 pounds. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty good. It's been good. So I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate everyone from you know, noticing because yeah, several people made fun of me for it. So I was like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wear it. I'm going to wear a real tight shirt next time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, Loot Bros Podcast, uh, video games, no wrestle talk, none at all. Not even going to happen a little bit. I promise. Thank you. Swear tonight. We're getting together and we're going to talk about dead space. Okay. So uh, yes, absolutely. I'm glad that uh, you feel that way too. So what we decided to do guys is I have been sitting on this idea for so long. And I know some of you, we got a lot of new listeners. Uh, I've actually met a lot of people recently and pitched the show to them and they've been checking it out. So shout out to you guys. Uh, You know who you are. Um, so we had a lot of new listeners and a lot of people who have kind of joined in on some of the things we're doing. A lot of new people joining on the Patreon. Patreon. Thank you for that. And so what we decided to do was we're going to do a game club, something that we can do as a community where we look at the subscription services, whether it be Game Pass, uh, PlayStation Plus Premium, whatever, just the, the PlayStation Plus service. And then, you know, the the various iterations of them all. And then, of course, like your epic free games, all that stuff. So what we wanted to do is we got together as a group of hosts. And we picked a handful of games that at least were on those lists at one time. And then we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick a game. We're going to we'll do a random number generator, pick a game, play it as a community. 
and we broke down the, you know, like a game, 10 hours or so would be, you know, we can do it in four weeks, something that's 20 hours or so. Maybe it'll take us six to eight weeks, 30 hours, so on and so forth. And we kind of wanted to give everyone enough time to play the game so that we can have a specific episode where we bring a handful of people together, not necessarily just the co-hosts, but community members as well. When we talk about the game, we do a big, a bit of a deep dive, a retrospective, whether you've played the game in the past or not, just to have, you know, conversation about something that we kind of focus in on uh, for this hobby that we all share. And so Dead Space ended up being the game that was uh, randomly selected out of the first list, which I didn't expect. I put one horror game on the list, letting everybody else choose the other games. And sure, yeah, I was, I got lucky. I was very excited. <laughs> and so we sure chose Dead Space. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I also happen to be the guy with the quote number generator. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I put Dead Space in for all of them. I don't know. You'll, you guys will never know. But to keep it fair and fresh and interesting for the community, from this point on, we're going to let the patrons you know, vote on the games that we play as a community uh, moving forward. So I have the list of games on Patreon that we posted, and essentially it was just the leftovers from the first list. And so what we did was after we voted, we replaced it with, you know, we replaced that one game with, an, with another off, uh, you know, that we had put together. And we put the list on Patreon for you guys to vote. Okay. So how do you vote on Patreon? Well, you have to be a patron. Whether you, go, you sign up at the $1 tier or you sign up at the highest tier, you have to at least be a Patreon or a patron, rather. I always get the two mixed up. But you have to be a patron to vote. So the games on the list were this Gears of War, Death Stranding, Halo 4, Bug Snacks, Ghosts of Tsushima, Days Gone, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, TMNT, Shredder's Revenge, Death's Door, and Hitman. Now, that's a pretty diverse list of games, I would say, right, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little something from everybody about half and half what's on PlayStation, what's on Xbox, or at least on the, you know, the, the, the services. The subscription services. We didn't want to just put a bunch of random games that were locked to one platform. Um, and we know that not everybody has access to every platform, but we do know that if you want to participate, the barrier to entry would be really low. Most of us own these games anyways, because they're older. We've either already played them or, or we've had access to them on various subscription services. And a lot of these games were given away for free on top of being able to subscribe to them for now. So that being said, Gears of War got 22% of the votes. Death Stranding got 11% of the votes. Um, Death Store also got 11% of the vote. Hitman got 22% of the vote. And the winner is Ghost of Tsushima. So Ghost of Tsushima got 33% of the votes on Patreon. So the next Loot Bros Game Club will be Ghost of Tsushima. Sushima. He's a ghost of Tsushima. Oh, Sushima. Yeah. And what's cool is this is oh, we have a new li- we have a new listener of the show, someone I met recently and uh, actually made a really, really awesome trade deal with. You know, a freaking very passionate gamer. And so I had said, Hey, hey. Paxton, you're out of the house. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I was like, Hey, I was like, uh, if you if you like, you know, we do a gaming podcast, you know, I was like, check it out. And sure enough, if this guy hadn't reached out. And it was like, not only did he listen, but he's like, hey, if you guys cover Ghost of Tsushima, let me on and gave me all his stats, essentially, for how he played the game and knocked out the DLC and everything. So we already have interest from the community to join it. I was like, well, you're in luck because that was, in fact, the winner. And again, I didn't do a random number generator. You, you can trust me. You can go to Patreon and see uh, that this was not something that I could, I could uh, swindle the votes on. So 
That'll be our next one. But first, it's time to get into Dead Space. You guys ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's roll. Isaac, where are you? Help me. Make us whole again. All right, here we go. So Dead Space came out on the PS3 and Xbox 360. So the way we're going to structure this conversation, guys, is we're going to go around the horn. We're going to go around the table and we're just going to everyone give their impressions of the game. You know, your experience. Was it good? Was it bad? You know, whatever. We're not going to go into crazy detail on the story or the graphics, gameplay, things like that, like we would any other review discussion just yet. And as we go through, I'm going to sprinkle in some conversations and some things from the community just to kind of add a little bit of context because we did have a lot of people write in. Some of them wrote in with full-on reviews, so it was awesome. It was really really cool, the feedback we got. We got feedback on... um, uh, Discord, and we got feedback in the in the uh, Facebook group. So definitely appreciate all you guys who reached out and gave us your feedback, and even some of our co-hosts like Zach, who was sick tonight, he couldn't make it, but he at least wrote in a little his thoughts. So what I want to do is I'm going to start with CJ. We're going to go around the horn. You know, do CJ, Matt, then uh, Josh. I'll pull up the rear. Giddy giddy. And uh, so CJ, what did you think about Dead Space and your experience with it? Yeah, well, uh, when I played it, I didn't know anything about it beforehand or whatever else. So I know you're you're a big fan of the series or whatever. And I suppose, I mean, I, I suppose when I played it, the whole series would have been out, right? 2015, like two and three, it was all, all done by then. Is so, that, yeah. Three yeah. should have been coming out right around that time. If it, it 2012 been. is when three came out. Yep. So yeah, yeah so the whole yeah. series was already out. So obviously, like I had a big following or whatever, and and people knew about it or whatever. But I hadn't played it, and I played it on the the PS3. I'm not sure if we if we all played it on that thing or Xbox 360 or maybe backwards compatibility. If you played it recently, I suppose. But I played it on the PS3, and it was like right at that cusp time of having the PS4, and I was only really playing on PS4. And and what you might not know about me, Daryl, is I don't have a lot of time for retro technology. You know, I'm an aging gentleman, uh, not that interested. <laughs> Shout out to Rick there. Uh, or whatever, man. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just playing with you, sir. But um, no, so it was, it was a bit of a, you know, like, it was weird playing PS3 because I'd basically put it away even in 2015 or whatever. And the only reason we played it is we had this, like, it was weird. It was similar to what you're doing here. I had this event and it was like you, you had a month to play a game. Um, and, and it was sort of, I don't even remember how it was decided. Maybe it was voted on as well or something. And it was this, this idea that you had a month to play the game, but it was actually a speed running challenge. So you could start at any time in the month, but but once you started, the timer sort of started. So, you know, if you, if you took started it one day and then you didn't play it for a week and then it took you another week, that's like two weeks of playing. So it's not actual, you know, how many hours it took you to play the game. It's from when you actually, you know, started the game or earned your, your first trophy. And so, you know, I don't speed run anything. Um, <laughs> you know, it usually takes years to play any game for me because I so go. many on the go. But, you know, I decided to give it a go because there were some pretty serious uh, gamers in that that back then. And there's this guy called Salty, which is a, is a pretty appropriate name. And um, he was a pretty hardcore skilled gamer. And he did it in like, I don't know, two days and something. And it was it like it felt like a quick time, two days, almost three days or something. And I was like, it, it, just things aligned or whatever that I actually had two days. It's very rare that 
have time for a long session. And so I was like, you know, I don't know how hard this game is or whatever. We'll just do it, knowing nothing about it. And so I got to play like a huge session sort of both days, which was, I think, a really great way to do it. And it's a way I wish I could play more games. It was a long enough, uh, or I suppose I should say it wasn't too long a game that you could actually do that. You know, it didn't, um, I mean, it's still degenerate. Like, let's be honest, you know, playing that game in, you know, less than two days or two days is a degenerate move, of course. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's not like trying to do Assassins or something, you know, you know in like a week or something. It, it was doable. Right. And it was great because, as I said, I knew nothing about it. I don't play horror games uh, very often or whatever. And I think the thing that stuck with me the, the most was that it was a linear game, which, you know, which I liked. But even though it was linear, the, the sound effects in particular, and in particular, I know we're not talking specifics or whatever, but just that, you know, just that the random clatters and bangs and shit like that that would come through this, you know, predominantly dark corridor for a lot of the game, it just made it, I don't know, it really, it really captivated me. And not all games do I feel like I get immersed in the world. Like, I'll still play them, but I don't feel like I, I'm part of that. And in that game, I really, you know, from the very beginning when you're in that uh, monorail or whatever it is, um, yeah. you know, there, I just like, it really, it sucked me in or whatever else. And I thought, you know, as I said, I don't, don't play a lot of those games. And, and I knew that there's a couple of hard parts in that game, particularly on hard, but also some bullshit parts like the asteroid thing uh, or whatever. <laughs> and for me to have the, the, I don't know, staying power is rare. So I think that speaks to that that game and it's funny i know one of your comments today from someone will say this but when you when you spun the wheel of you know 13 dead spaces and one random game on your number generator and this came up i was like oh that's that's disappointing because i know the remake is coming out february or something yeah, um, Jan- i think end of january early february something like that yeah, yeah and so i couldn't you know with the amount of stuff i'm trying to play i want to play at the moment i couldn't really justify playing it again because I'd, I'd rather play the remake but it got me to thinking about it and and because it aligned today i could come and, and hear you guys talk because i know you've, you've played it more fresher than i have um i can't wait to hear hear what you think but it was one of those games that i don't know it was it was manageable enough that you could control in like two days and you could you know you could go from feeling like you didn't know what you were doing to quite strong you could learn how to use glitches all these things that you know i i don't know i enjoy that make a game great so i i really enjoyed it Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. I love hearing that. And like I said, when you, when you reached out and said you wanted to be a part of the show, I was like, I seriously, I was like, yes, this is awesome because you platinum the game. And mm. that was a game that when I looked at your trophy list, when we first started associating with each other, I was like, no freaking way. That game's hard. And you know, the running joke is that, you know, you don't play hard games that you, you know, you play stuff that you can knock out quickly, which I know is not always the case. Uh, you've got quite a list of, of trophies and, and platinums that are very commendable. Um, but it's funny. I was like, man, he started off his trophy journey with friggin' a really difficult game that, that, uh, that's a really good game too. So I'm, I'm really glad to have you here tonight. So, well, just, right. to, just to tack on to that, because I didn't think you really wanted to talk about trophies, so I won't, you know, go into that. But the, the funniest thing was is it, obviously you had to get the platinum to, to finish in the time, you know, otherwise your time extends. And I got down to, I'd finished the game. I even did the game on hard mode and I couldn't do that fucking asteroid trophy. And I remember messaging that salty and he was watching the time and he knew that was the one that I couldn't do or whatever. And I think I had four hours and like, I decided like, if you can't do it, you might as well start drinking. It's just always a mistake. And so I was shit faced and I probably spent three hours on that. And I don't know how I got it, but I think I got it within like, I managed to beat him by 10 minutes, but all the time was spent on that last trophy, which I don't know. It was, I don't think you need to 
to achieve whatever it was to, to get through that in the game, but you need to like achieve a perfect wave or something. Is it? Yeah, it's I like forget. above fifty percent. I think is what yeah. it ends up being. But it's it's very difficult, especially mm-hmm. in the harder difficulty. But that's awesome, man. And I'm I'm yeah again. That was you know knowing that you were the only one of us that has the platinum. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have platinum to have that on the on the cast for sure because i do want to talk about that a little bit well it'll be difficult for you because you don't drink so i don't know what the solution will be but for everyone else just get a little drunk and you'll be fine (laughs) with that well the good thing was i got that one uh sober so i didn't i just got to make it there but then again the hard difficulty might drive me to drink it you never know maybe maybe (laughs) you'll gain that weight right back (laughs) oh god (laughs) (laughs) what happened him he's twice the size he used to be what what happened to this guy so it's like freaking Mountain Dew and pizza. I got to get this platinum. <laughs> but he got the dead space platinum. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So Matt, we would love to know what your experience and what your feelings about dead space. So I first came to dead space back in 2007 when I first read. Uh, I remember I was working at Lowe's at the time and they had a GameStop store. And that's when I renewed my Game Informer, you know, the GameStop membership. Oh, yeah. And the cover was Dead Space, and I was reading on this. I was like, oh, I gotta play this game. And it came out around my birthday, because if I remember, I thought it was around October. And I played it on the PC, first and foremost, and it was astounding. It was everything I wanted the game to be. Beat it all the way back then, so when you brought it up as part of the Game of the Month Club, I was excited to try to take the trek through it again, because as opposed to what CJ was saying, I'm excited to play the game in its old style and then play the remake to compare so I have a fresh view on what the game was to what it is going to be. So, uh, as I said, back in the day, I played it on my AC, and this time I played it exclusively on my Steam Deck, being able to go on, play it on the go, and, you know, small form factor. And on that 1200 by 800 screen, game still looks beautiful. And it yeah. controls great. It controls beautifully with the controllers. And I played it on easy this time because I knew I just wanted to get through it. So it's a stark contrast to when I first played it. I was terrified around every corner because ammo was limited and you had to learn everything. This time playing through it on easy, it wasn't as terrifying. I knew I had enough ammo to get through whatever I needed to get through. I think I still died a couple of times because I wasn't paying attention, but I really, I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm so afraid of dying. But taking a cue from you, Daryl, and I knew what, I kind of know what you're going to talk about. I didn't do the plasma cutter only run since you can get a whole myriad of weapons, but you know, and Kali will tell you my favorite weapon in any type of video game is the flamethrower. <laughs> so in this game, I did the plasma cutter slash flamethrower as my main things for yeah. the game. And surprisingly, very powerful when you upgrade that flamethrower all the way. Just torches anything coming at you. And like I said, it still holds up. It still looks great. And kind of like when you think about going back and playing Resident Evil 2 and then playing the remake and seeing what they've changed, I'm just as excited playing the original and waiting to see what they come out on the remake. Because, yeah, graphics are one thing, but. You know, they might change some stuff up that might throw us for a loop. Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I want to kind of, you know, second that one. 
Um, I, I totally understand like what CJ's saying. We're like, man, we're so close to the remake. And that was kind of my fear. I was like, man, people might not want to play that game. That one, we're so close to the, uh, a matter of fact, had it, had it not been pushed out, it would have been right on top of us. And it might've been a situation where we would have waited to begin with, but you know, the way things shook out, you know, it's, it's for me, I looked at it very similar to you as like, you know what? I'll play through this now, do something I've never done before and then have fresh eyes for the remake. Now, that could be good or bad for the remake, <laughs> you know, because this game, you know, has held up really well. So it's very possible we get the remake in January or, or February, wherever it ends up being and go, man, this, uh, this is not as good. We'll see. We'll definitely see. So, uh, yeah. But like CJ will, like CJ said, I hope they fix certain sections. That asteroid section, especially playing on the steam deck was such a bitch (laughs) (laughs) trying to track where, what asteroids to shoot. It was like, and I'm not playing for trophies. I'm not going for the achievements. I was like, can I get through this freaking section, please? That was what I died the most on that. And, uh, and the behemoth fight later in the game. Yeah. 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 The behemoth fight's fun. That's some yeah. real old, old school game design, though, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, like they, that, that sort of thing's been eliminated now where you could just get trapped forever by a section. It's very like outside of your, you know, Dark Souls or whatever. Th- those things don't exist in most games now or not big games. And it's a wonderful throwback, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, even Kalai. So Kalai was talking about how she was struggling with that part. And that's where we all kind of came together and started getting everybody who was getting stuck on parts pointers. And we're like, hey, just do this or do that. and. It, very old school like back mm-hmm. in the day mm-hmm. where you're talking with your friends oh i couldn't get past that boss hey did you do this oh i didn't think of that and and it's just, <laughs> that's kind of what i was hoping this book club would be is that everybody contributes to like some level of mm-hmm. people completing the game yes yes and I'm, I'm glad that i i know a lot of those conversations took place in our in our messenger that we all have but I think it's awesome. That, and that, that is exactly what I want to invoke when we do these is as a community come together and be like, you know, t- talk about tips, tricks and strategies and things that we do. We love and don't love. And uh, it was funny because as I was playing back through it, I uh, <laughs> Rick and I were talking and he was like, man, this one character, she sucks. <laughs> like, he's like, I forgot how annoying <laughs> she is. I was like, dude, I was playing through. It. I was like, man, I don't remember like her being so like, abrasive and annoying but i'm like you're right all she does kendra all she does is complain <laughs> like every time she gets on i'm like oh please i would can someone just eat her real fast <laughs> i i totally AOC. forgot about some of the big deaths. yeah <laughs> yeah what were you saying matt i i totally forgot about some big deaths or how people died i forgot when and where certain things occurred so experiencing some of that stuff that you forgot again ha- held some value to the replay heck yeah heck yeah all right, Josh, uh, I know that you are a avid Dead Space fan. You and I have talked about Dead Space and horror games a lot over the years, and I think that is one of the things that you and I have um, the most in common. So uh, oh, yeah. I'm ready. Lay it on me, brother. I right, So, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like you said, I I love horror games. And I my approach to gaming is not, not the same as most of the rest of, of you guys. Like, I don't care anything about trophies, anything like that. I, I literally... I play games for story and aesthetics. They like that, that's and I always have. Uh, but like I remember, I loved all the Resident Evil games. Those early Resident Evils. I was obsessed with Silent Hill. And I remember there was years that went where there was just a absolute drought for good horror games. 
Uh, there just weren't there just weren't any really good horror games coming out for such a long time. And I remember getting I picked up a comic book one time, and the back page of the comic was just the cover art of Dead Space, and just that severed hand floating in orbit. And I, I like I immediately like immediately ordered it, <laughs> like or like pre ordered. Because I knew, like, I you could tell from that first image, like, this is going to be a return to form of what of a the type of game that, you know, like, like you were saying, like every corner you felt like the dread of of what was going to be, you know, what was going to be coming after you, and you know, I remember playing that game, and it was the sound design and the the visuals. You know, it it perfectly captured what made like the original Alien so successful as a horror movie. Like it's that whole haunted house in space kind of thing. It just the atmosphere in the in Dead Space is so good. And like I, I'm sure I'll I'll probably drone on and on later in this episode about <laughs> the the aspects that make it work as a horror. But like I was ravenous for this series. Like I've played all the games in the series. I've read the books, I've read comic books, I've watched the animated movie. Like I love Dead Space. I can't wait for this remake. I can't wait for Callisto Protocol because it looks yes. like it might as well be a Dead Space uh, <laughs> yes. adjacent game. But yeah, like just the idea of taking survival horror and then mixing it with sci-fi. That's my two favorite genres in the world. And like this game knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it had some moments that were harder than they should have been. Yeah, there's some stuff that doesn't hold up. But, you know, like Matt was saying, you look at this game, and I remember playing on the 360. And like on the 360, even, it's still not, it's still a good looking game. Like the, the aesthetics work, even still, like the creature designs, the rusty surfaces and textures all over the ship, the fleshy textures, the, the janky motion of the dead, you know, the, the necromorphs, it, it all still looks so good. And like Heck stuff, yeah. it, it'll still make you jump out of your skin. <laughs> like, I, like I, there you'll walk around the corner and something pops from the ceiling and it's like your soul leaves your body. <laughs> so like, I just, it, it's probably, it's definitely one of the top, absolute best horror franchises ever made. I can't, I can't disagree with that. I, I think this first entry, especially. Yes. The horror. It, oh, yep. chef so, kiss. It's really good. It's really good. And so kind of, I, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to, I want to round out the, uh, I guess, general consensus is like, I think it's a phenomenal game. My first experience was on the Xbox 360 at the, when this game came out, I was a predominantly 360 gamer. I don't think I owned a PlayStation at the time. PlayStation 3, rather. And this game came out, and I remember just being so hyped. One of my favorite horror movies of all time, and I know that we got some listeners out there, shout out to Justin uh, Cooper especially, Event Horizon. That is like one of my favorite horror movies. Thousand percent. I freaking love that movie, right? And I have been like a Event Horizon, like just preacher of event horizon it's just i've always said if you like horror and you like space like you gotta watch this this is just next level stuff it's always been good and when dead space came out i'm like okay this game had it looks like a resident evil style game at the time it we didn't have resident evil 5 yet that didn't come out until 2009 yeah so 
we've been waiting for a good Resident Evil game since 2005. So a couple years ago by, and I'm like, oh man, they're keep hyping it up that this is like the, the, the next Resident Evil franchise, you know? Well, see, and this even, game comes our, out. even Resident Evil had gotten away from horror yeah, a good bit yeah. by that point. Yeah, four wasn't that scary. Five wasn't scary at all, which I love five. Five's one of my favorite games the of all time. Game, but like, but it's not horror. Right, right. It, it, it really had gone, gotten away from it. So we needed something, you know? Horror fans needed something. So that being said, this game comes out. I pick it up on Xbox 360, and I'm like, this game is amazing like i remember specifically my wife at the time she worked uh the weekends um she worked uh doubles on saturday so she was still in nursing school finishing up her nursing degree and what she would do is every other saturday she would pick up a double shift at this restaurant she worked at and that would be enough to pay like our internet bill or our cell phone bill or whatever you know she would always pay a bill or two but that last semester of school, she really needed to because because you are in school forty hours, and then you have to do clinicals, which is another twenty to thirty hours a week or whatever. So essentially, you're working full time plus just in school, not to mention studying. So you know our deal was you just work a, you know a couple shifts on Saturdays, pick up when you can, you know, and she always did a double. So Saturday comes around, and I'm like, I got dead space, I got the house to myself. I got this giant surround sound system, a 55 inch 720 plasma TV, which I mean, at the time was, that was a big deal, you know? Uh, and I was like, dude, I'm turning all the lights off. I had the blinds down. I had the curtains pulled. It was, it was daytime. I had the air turned down. I had to make sure it was really cold in the house. I was like, it's as dark as I can get it. And I put in dead space and I cranked that surround sound guys. And that opening little nursery, chime little little twinkle twinkle little star that they play mm-hmm. bro it gave me chill bumps now granted I, it was probably like 65 in the house but i mean it was like and you were naked and well, i mean of course <laughs> <laughs> that's how you play games right <laughs> but it was one of those things where i was like this is insane the game hasn't started yet and i'm already creeped out like i was like this is such a good I'm telling you, man, when I got in that game, I was blown away from start to finish. Like just blown away. Like everything that happened, the, the scares in the game, the pacing of the game, like the combat, it was all just, it hit. It hit so hard for me. And even as a Resident Evil diehard, I was like, this is incredible. This is Resident Evil plus Event Horizon. Like that was my, two of my favorite things in one game. And I was just, I was blown away, man. My first experience with this game. And again, you know, back then I had a, I had a 720 TV. It was a plasma, so it was bright, you know, bright colors. So that's not necessarily the best way to play Dead Space, but it looked good. And I was like, man, I was like, I put it in there. I was like, I was blown away by this game. I, I just was, it was so, my first experience was so good. So now fast forward all these years later, I still have never done the, or this is kind of leaning into the trophy side thing. There's a trophy and an achievement for beating the game only using the plasma cutter, which I think we can all agree. The plasma cutter is, is probably the best gun in the game. If not, it, it rivals the other guns, even fully mm-hmm. modded. And, uh, you know, dead space is all about dismemberment, you know, cutting limbs and stuff mm-hmm. off. And that was just such a good precise gun to just pop limbs off. 
And so it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to go back and, 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 and do the, the plasma only run. I've never done it. So two things when we, when we launched this, this game club, I'm like, man, this gives me the opportunity to do that playthrough again. And when I was looking at my trophies, I never even beat the game on PlayStation three. I had played through it up to like, I don't know, chapter six or seven or something like that. Um, but I, I didn't, I hadn't beat the game on PlayStation three yet, which I thought I did because I know Levi and I were playing through a bunch of the dead space games. We ended up playing through, um, dead space three together. And I guess somewhere down the line, I just put it, I did like I do with everything else. I play for a little while and then, and then do something else. So I was like, man, I'm going to start this game over and I'm going to do the pistol, you know, the plasma cutter only run. And guys, that was a blast. Like that was a lot of fun. So I mean, I'm playing this game again on a console that I haven't beat it on. So I'm like, this is great. I'm getting my trophies for beating the game. I'm, I'm reliving the whole thing for this particular experience. And I did the, you know, the, the, I played the way that I wanted to try in the past, but you know, just didn't do it. And it was awesome. I had a blast, like start to finish. I had a, blast. He had a lot of fun beating it. Yeah. And then I played the game. <laughs> hey, oh. so, what was really cool was, like when I once once I beat it, I was like I had gotten so many trophies. I was like, man, I, I'm gonna go clean this up. I'm I'm like I'm so I got all the way. I've got every trophy in the game with the exception of beating it on the hardest difficulty, which I will do. And I'm just kind of picking. I'm just kind of picking my win. You know, we were talking before the show where I I, I kind of had in my back pocket, but I don't know yet. But either way, that's a, I will play this game a third time. And I technically I've already started. I've already started on the hardest difficulty. I've already played a little bit. I'm into the, I think the second mission, but um, it's very frustrating. The hardest difficulty is freaking hard. <laughs> like it's not, it's not joking around, but yes, overall, my, I think it's an excellent game. My, my, both of my quote first experiences on different platforms were great. And uh, I just really, really enjoyed revisiting this game. So uh, before we go around, you kind of get into specifics of various parts of the game i want to share uh some of the write-ins so uh our good friend um that one seagull jt the commissioner of the backlog beatdown he wrote in he said um since he already beat the game he said i'll say this little insert great game great controls visuals still hold up great scares uh but since i'm not into shooters 8.5 out of 10 all right redbeard rick writes in and he said, uh, obviously he was chiming in for the backlog beatdown as well, but he gave a, uh, he said the plat is incoming uh, over the next few days for Dead Space. Uh, he says, this serves as my Dead Space review for the Loot Bros Game Club. This game is really an absolute masterpiece. Number two is better in my honest opinion, and I'll die on that hill. The whole si- silent protagonist thing is just silly in a game like this. You're telling me, that when Isaac is confronted with things like the Leviathan and seeing a necromorph for the first time, he's not going to say a word. I'd say a word or three, and most of them would be the old mighty F-bomb. Uh, the necromorphs are some of the best designed video game monsters ever. Clive Barker and Todd McFarlane wish they could come up with stuff like this. Uh, walking around the Ishimura, which is a dope name, uh, is one of the most unsettling experiences. Hearing the creaks and the groans of the ship as you explore, uh, really puts you on the edge. Waiting for a door to open and not knowing what's behind it is truly terrifying. Uh, The worst sound you can get is the quarantine alarm as you're about to leave an area. Once that sound 
you know you're in for a, once that once that sounds, excuse me, uh, you know you're in for a fight. Uh, and these close quarters, never knowing where the enemies will appear from. I love picking up all of the text and the audio logs uh, to get some of the backstory. Uh, if you're interested in that backstory, I recommend playing Dead Space Extraction, which shows you the events that led up to Dead Space 1. Uh, that is a good one to, to put a plug in there. Good job, Rick. Um, I really don't see why we need this remake coming up uh, because it holds up perfectly well for a 14-year-old game. I think this was my second platinum back in my original account on 2008. Uh, and I try to find uh, an excuse to play it every year. I do the same thing with Resident Evil 2. I always have to come back and get in on some Resident Evil goodness. Uh, <clears throat> so, yes. Uh, awesome, man. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, Rick also says, if you haven't played the game yet, and seriously, what the F are you doing with your life? Uh, yes, and Dead Space Extraction completely forgot about that game. Definitely check that out. That is a little bit of a prequel leads up to it. Um, doesn't play great. I don't remember enjoying that game, uh, personally, but any more lore is great. Um, so definitely check out the Dead Space stuff. Thank you so much for writing it. Isaac, it's me. I wish I could talk to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. I wish I could just talk to someone. It's all falling apart here. I can't believe what's happening. It's strange. Such a little thing. How many times you watched that thing? Guess you really miss her. Don't worry, we're almost there. You'll be able to look her up once we're on board. Isaac. Isaac. Where are you? It's me, Nicole. Uh, let's go around the table and let's kind of talk about the overall game mechanics, like how the game handled uh, to the best of our memory. I mean, um, but CJ, we'll start with you. I mean, like this is not typically your game style, you know, and you, you said you played through it and, and it hooked you. So how did, how was it actually playing the game? Minus that asteroid section. Cause that sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's definitely not, not my type of game. It's probably if I'm going to play horror though, it's as close to it as I'm going to get, I suppose, that star, because it's not... My problem with horror is the Resident Evil is the thing, the the ever-present, whatever you call it, chasing right, you yeah. type situation. Yep. And this game, you know, has enemies and stuff, but it didn't didn't have that to that degree. But what this game had, and you've, like, already alluded to, is that, you know, you'd be walking along, like, the, the causeway or something, and something would jump out at you, or they'd come out of the ground um, up through underneath. And so it was more of, like, I suppose the shock, as you say, like, as opposed to the... Like, the... Uh, what I don't like is this, you know, that you always know it's there situation following you right. or getting closer. And this was, you know, I, I like this, I think, because you just, it's like a movie. You don't expect it. And then the thing just jumps out from behind the corner or whatever, which, which I liked. And I thought, like, you talked about it being a difficult game and there'll be, there'll be people out there that are like, oh, I did this on my first try game. Fucking easy. Look at these idiots. Because there always <laughs> are because, you know, you're the armchair yeah. critic or whatever. And like there i'm trying to think is it the second game i didn't play that but that had a thing where you had to complete the whole game without dying was that right or no maybe only two saves or two something? save yeah and it was broke up over two discs so mm. that one that one has one of those really and that was another thing too this one i couldn't remember if this particular game had one of those crazy trophies or achievements 
Uh, and I'm for, I'm glad that it did. It doesn't, but yes, the yeah, dead space two has like you beat the game in under two saves. And it's like I said, on Xbox 360 is two discs. So I think one of your saves is the halfway point, but I don't, I, I don't know if that's for, for sure or not. Yeah, That's another really definitely something like that. Whereas this one, you know, you can save, manipulate, or whatever, you know, as you wanted, which was helpful. And then the uh, the big because you know I play a few games, so I tend to forget some things, obviously. But one of the other things I remember, and I don't remember the context of it, but you've all played it more recently. You perhaps can. There was the the Peng Treasure, uh, P E N G. Now I, I can't remember why why it's the Peng Treasure or whatever else, but I do remember there's this wonderful glitch which I didn't realize. I saw Rick said the other day it's quite late in the game, so it's not worth doing perhaps. But that was the only glitch I knew about, I think. And um, it involved. It was so funny. It involved the elevator. You had to do it in such a way, or get it in, and you jam the elevator, and then you'd go back to the 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 uh, bridge or wherever the, the Mr. Peng thing was, and the whole floor would then be covered in these Peng treasures. And you could keep, if you got the elevator right, you could, I um, think this is how it works, you could keep riding it up and down and there'd just be more and more Pengs there every time. Um, and then they'd just be everywhere. Like there'd be like, you'd be uh, like one of those, you know, uh, soft ball uh, kitty playgrounds where the kids go in and there's balls like everywhere. Yeah. And there's sweet, it was like this with the Pengs. And of course, then you could get the Pengs and they sold for like 5,000, whatever. So you'd be have so much or whatever the credits were so much. Then you could buy all the rep, the weapons and upgrades, but I'll never forget. Cause at that time, and even now still, I'm like, I read about these glitches and I'm like, that sounds like a lot of fucking work. I don't think I'm going to bother um, <laughs> with that, you know, because <laughs> it's like, you know, jump three steps to the left, fall through here, you know, fucking swing the control around your head. All this random shit, it has to be done on the third of the month, like all this crap. And you're like, I'm not doing this. Uh, but this one actually worked, which I think also shocked me. So I probably abused the hell of out of it. I remember I spent ages, way longer than I needed to. I think the whole room was covered in these paying things by the time I was finished, but it was a lot of fun, but what what is the significance of that ping? Because I forget. Is there any significance? Or In the game, it's like an award that you get, and they have these signs built up. Uh, it says all about ping. I, I don't know mm. if there's any real significance outside of that, but I know that it's like an award, and it's advertised. Through, and, and a lot of the elevators, actually, which is funny that the glitch exists in the elevators, because yeah. Yeah. a lot of the times you see that, you see the sign, but. Yeah. I couldn't get it to work. I tried. I, oh. I never tried on the Xbox, yeah. but I tried on the PlayStation, and I was thinking, man, maybe they updated it out. But then Rick said it worked for him, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, but to be fair, I am not. I always find a way to screw up the guides and screw up the uh, <laughs> like the, the glitches and all the things that are out there that, that should make things easier for you. So I, I figure on the, hard, on the hardest difficulty playthrough, I will definitely... Yeah, try to you know, manipulate the ping because I will want my stuff upgraded <laughs> as much as possible. Well, I, I remember, I don't remember what you had to do, but it was a lot more than just like push two buttons at once or something like this. Yeah, there, there were yeah. steps and, and it's probably like, as you allude to, I think I was just shocked that it worked because very few things do work on the PlayStation and to get it to work, I think was, <laughs> you know, was a highlight for me. So that's why I remember it so vividly. But I, I understand, right. you know, it didn't work for you, but you know, you're a PlayStation gamer. What does? I'm used to it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Matt. So we, I, you were talking about playing the game on the Steam Deck, and you said it held up. But how was the overall mechanics uh, for you? Uh, the mechanics held up perfectly fine. I mean, the game did everything it needed to do and translated perfectly to the Steam Deck controls. And it was 
you know, it required a little bit of tweaking in the graphical settings and some of the other options, but everything held up perfectly fine. Uh, I even forget whether... Yeah, the first one is actually Steam Deck verified. So they, all the testing was done and, and whatnot. I, Dead Space 2 is is unsupported. It's like the second tier where it'll play. There might be something wrong with it. You might have to adjust some things. But the first one played perfectly fine. And the first thing I did was I got in there and I adjusted the graphical settings to make sure the resolution matched perfectly. That V-Sync was set appropriately. Because for those of you who played on the consoles, you didn't get to experience the fun I had on PC where there were parts of the game that are tied to frame rate. So it's one of the first sections of the game where you have to go through a door if you have v-sync off it glitches out a monster spawn and you can't progress further into the game it was a really weird glitch so playing it on the steam deck where having v-sync on is the norm it played out fine and the big reason you turned v-sync off on pc was because with the weird way that they did mouse acceleration aiming became a chore it was literally like trying to aim through mud as you're as you're looking at something with your v-sync on on a desktop pc so you turned it off to make things a lot smoother but then that broke the game at certain points so playing on the steam deck was like no different than playing on any other console played perfectly everything translated great i could read everything i could see everything uh lighting and textures were perfectly fine there was no pop in there was no graphical glitches you know sometimes the physics wigged out but you know what that's like in a game like this where there's dismemberment and you got limbs flying everywhere i gotta say the one thing i didn't really do the playthrough that you could when a necromorph came at you broke off its spike limb you could then use your kinesis module to pick that up and launch it at another enemy to impale them yep i didn't find myself doing it that much on this playthrough because uh, aiming with the steam deck controller wasn't the greatest for such fine pinpoint accuracy but given all the other weapons of the game you don't necessarily have to pin you have to aim in the general area so getting through sections of the game like i mentioned the the aforementioned uh uh asteroid section was a bit of a chore but everything else played just like I remembered it. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, Josh, what about you? You know, overall game mechanics and I mean, and uh, you know, Matt's kind of already kind of led us down the rabbit hole to talk about graphics and things of that nature. So if you want to touch on both while you're there, have at it. I know for me, like I don't really think that much about mechanics unless they don't work. Like, unless there's just something that kind of breaks the game for me. I, I, typically don't put a whole lot of thought into that. Now, what I do like about Dead Space, and you know, I'm I'm the type of person, like, I, I'll play for a little while, and then I get busy with something, so it might be a week or two before I come back to a game. And Dead Space, the, the locations in that game, like, if you take a few days off or a week off and come back to it, it would be easy to get, like, really lost and be like, I don't even know where to start. But they, I loved that they had the you, you, that locator as yes. part of your, you know, of, of what you could do, and it would point you in the direction and and get you started. I love that. Um, 
I love the the whole idea like he brought you know like Matt brought up being able to actually like take chunks of the alien and blast it into them. I always thought that was cool. I love the idea that you're not a space marine. You're not like it's not doom. You know, you you're a engineer and you know the idea of making your weapons stronger just you know you you got to find materials and then you know work out as an engineer like how can I make this a more deadly thing? I always love that idea of of leveling up, which I guess is more gameplay than mechanics, but I just I, I I really enjoy the way the game handles. Like you can you can it's not one of those games where you get stressed out and I guess you could use the word scared because like you, your controls mess up when you're surrounded by enemies. Resident Evil as much as we love that game, like those older Resident Evil games, the tank controls Sometimes you get stressed out, not because the story is scary or the, the, the situation is scary, but because you got stuck beside a, a yeah. box or something <laughs> while a liquor is coming at you. And like with this game, there'll be so many different enemies on the screen and you're getting swarmed. And like the, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap that you feel is not because of the controls being janky. It's because like you're being, you're being swarmed by these hideous creatures. Yep. Um, so like, I, I think that the, the fact that it doesn't break the game when you have a lot of enemies on the screen for a game this old, uh, that that's impressive to me, like playing through it. There's not really any times apart from, like you said, the asteroid section that I did. I, you find yourself thinking, man, I wish this played a little bit better. Like it, it still feels really good to just wander around those ships and those locations and, never 100% feel safe like it's it's just it holds up it's a fun game it's not perfect yeah. but it's a good game i agree i agree with everything that you guys said um man as far as uh you know because jt had mentioned he didn't like shooters and, and there's there's a lot of shooting you know well, shooters those, those, don't those, like those him shooters. either <laughs> there you go see boom feels <laughs> mutual but but it's so cool because i don't think of dead space as a shooter even though that is a primary point of the game because i thought of it as so much more like the dismemberment functionality, like the fact that the, mm-hmm. you don't just kill the enemies because you put a bullet in their head or you blew their head off. Like they can keep coming. Like the whole, the whole mechanic of dismembering your enemies was just as a gore hound. Like that was friggin'. Oh my gosh. That was awesome. I was like, this is the coolest idea ever. And I would just sit there and just stomp on the body parts forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just over and over and over. And it was just like, how cool is it that I'm like, smacking them in the face with my friggin' with my with my uh my plasma cutter and then i'm just stomping on them <laughs> until they're until they're they're dead it was just it was cool i mean really 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 just th- that basic mechanic was awesome i thought the shooting was good i thought it was very serviceable i mean even on the playstation 3 which arguably shooters played better on the xbox 360 but i thought that it played great uh, even now on the on the PS3, I did swap between the PS4 controller and the PS3 controller for the asteroid section, especially trying to see which one would kind of give me the edge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. is it, which one's got tighter sticks? You know, because because that area is a little floaty, and I know we've mentioned it several times tonight, but it's like that that's a thing that everyone remembers. Oh, that that asteroid part. And the thing is, you you learn. I learned this because I played it a few times, but like. 
if you just kind of focus on the center of the screen and what's in your immediate vision, not your necessarily your peripheral vision, the other ones aren't going to, aren't even going to hit the ship most of the time. The ones on the outside. And I can't remember if I discovered that on my own or if I read that in a guide somewhere, but sure enough, once I started to really focus in on just what was in the center of the screen, and then maybe if I, if I need to reach over, if I've cleared everything out, reach over and, and hit some of the other ones. Um, but you know, as far as the, the overall shooting and actual gameplay, oh, it was so good. It was so much fun to play. And I even went as far as, again, because I started trophy hunting. I played the, uh, I played through the mini games. I don't know if you guys remember those, but there's a, ba- a zero G basketball mini game where you use your telekinesis powers to shoot um, basketballs through these hoops in this little uh, recreational area. There is a, um, a shooting gallery, which typically the shooting galleries in these games blow freaking butt cheeks. They're usually pretty terrible. Um, this one wasn't, ter- wasn't too bad. Uh, and then I think it was a third mini game, but for whatever reason now I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but I played through the mini games and they were fun, you know? And again, you know, to what CJ was saying earlier, uh, you know, when it comes to retro games, I mean, like it takes a special person to go back and really just get into the retro stuff. Um, what I mean by that is this, is I often struggled for years and I go through phases or I often struggled going back and playing older games, not because of the way they look, but because of the controller. Like once I've moved on to the new thing, that new controller feels good. You get used to it. And then when you go back and play the other controls, maybe, maybe the sticks are a little floatier or maybe the, um, you know, just the, the weight of the controller is different. Or for me, it really, I, I struggled for years going back just because the controller is really the barrier to entry for most consoles. Like a lot of people choose their console based on the controller. Cause you're going to have that control in your hand. Every time you play the games will, will change, but the controller will not unless you get like a really, really dope, you know, awesome one. Um, that being said, I played around with different controls just to kind of get a feel for things. And overall, I mean, the PS3 controller still held up, still played the best. And, going back and playing this game, it didn't feel like it had aged out so poorly that I needed and that I'm like longing for a modern version. So I definitely, uh, overall my experience was, was really good, um, with the game. I mean, just, you know, just actually playing the game. It was good. So, okay. The doors unlocked Isaac. I can't get over to you, but I'll find a way. I love you. This will all be over soon. Something I kind of want to I want to jump into next because everyone's mentioned it at least a little bit throughout the night. Uh and most of it was in our opening thoughts is that uh the atmosphere of the game but kind of really focusing on the sound. So uh, CJ, I'll let you, uh, I knew you had kind of started to talk about this a little bit in the beginning and, and that this, when people talk about dead space, they talk about the atmosphere and the sound effects. So just kind of wanted your overall thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we'll probably all talk about that or whatever. What I, one of the things that I was listening to this week and it's not about this game, but it's something I've never thought about. And uh, it was a podcast and they were talking about 
the um, Soul Breakers 2 recent JRPG release. And the guy was talking about the fact that how so many games have, you know, bigger games or whatever, have a silent protagonist, that they don't talk or whatever else. And, you know, he's sort of getting over that. And that game has a lot of talk, like Genshin Impact talk all the time. And, and he sort of went on to say that, you know, the reason we have silent protagonists or part of the reason is because it's more immersive for you. You can believe you're that person if you don't hear them talk. As soon as they start talking, they don't talk like you. They don't sound like you. They don't phrase like you. And you're sort of like, yeah, I'm watching this thing. And I'd never like, it's probably obvious to a lot of you, but I never really considered that factor that by having your your character not talk, you, you do sort of you know, you can assume that identity even more. Um, it's, I suppose, one less detractor. And, of course, in Dead Space, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Isaac, he doesn't talk, right? He's totally silent. Not in the first one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the whole game. And, you know, I mean, that, you know, I thought I'd, I'd be really interested in, in your takes on that, actually, whether you you see that, like, as a, a silent protagonist, whether you associate more with the character, if you find when they're voiced or whatever else, that it it's more that you're watching somebody else. You're not sort of immersing in that which is cool and then just to further that though because he's silent of course it magnifies everything else around it and mm-hmm. it's a bit like that um oh my god i can't remember the guy's name sorry but the the composer that did the uh tomb raider the um definitive one or whatever that game was uh with the early ones and he created an, this ins- i forget his name but he created Jason this- graves or something like that yeah i think it may have been him or even before him the other guy that does it anyway you you can go on youtube and and see the score if you're interested and he created this instrument which was like a trash can with shit hanging out the top and strings and it's just like it looked like some sort of i don't know terrifying thing but he just played it all these different ways strumming it hitting it whatever and that was the the basis for creating the soundtrack in that game or whatever and this this minimal approach to music which dead space uses as well that less is more in the you know, so many games you play now, whether you're even conscious of it or not, there's music going on and maybe the music, you know, disappears, but then it comes back again. And it's sort of, it's like the casino effect. It just sort of sucks you in. And so the continuity without any bumps or big, you know, emotive sections, you, you lose track of time because you're just sort of in this flow state or, or whatever. And I think it's a testament to those older games like Dead Space. And, you know, even a lot of the newer horror games, I think, suffer from this in that they they can't have silence. They have to have stuff all the time. And, you know, one of the most terrifying things is nothing. You know, if the atmosphere is yeah. right, there's nothing and then something. And it's, you know, breaking away from a score, which is however it's written, it's going to be in some sort of time signature or some sort of time thing so the musicians can play it. So it's not going to sound totally random or spontaneous. And you know, the, the joke is that the, the greatest music is silence. It's the, the only thing perfectly played, which is kind of true. And, you know, that game, it really it really delved into that. It had, you know, your abstract sounds or whatever else. But it, it, from my memory of it, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't this continuous soundtrack or whatever else. And I know, like, your dooms and stuff, that's what people like, you know, this heavy metal shit just going all the time, slightly different style of game, but, you know, not that far um, separated. And I think... You know, this is what I'm interested in the remake. I haven't looked into it, but whether he's still silent or whether he speaks and uh, now for some reason, and also whether they, they use a similar score of less is more, I think. But yeah, I'd be interested in what, what you guys think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love all of that. Yeah, I definitely want to dig into it. Matt, you want to you start us off and kind of what you, what you think with all that? Yeah, actually, 
you know, I'm actually surprised none of us touched on it when we were talking about the game mechanics and what CJ said about, you know, immersive experience and how sound plays into that. You know, one of the things we missed talking about was the lack of an overall HUD and how that kind of like feeds you into what was going on in the game. And sound played very much a similar thing. Going back to what you said earlier, Daryl, about how you set up game and ready to play it shutting all the drapes and everything i did something similar when i played it back day but i had downloaded it and started playing it sometime after midnight and after about an hour of playing the game and listening to the creaks and the crashes and everything i said nope no i'm done for now i'm gonna start playing it again in the morning when there's sunlight yep. so yeah especially when you play it and you immerse yourself in an environment sort of that enclosed space no lights you can hear everything around you. And especially if you were playing with like a, a good headset back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It was, it was, it was a problem. <laughs> May I lost a little bit of that something playing on the steam deck. Cause the speakers weren't the greatest, but so my latest playthrough may not be the freshest to talk about the sound quality. But the one thing I will say, those vacuum sections always are just to me awesome because you're going in and you can hear everything going around you and now all of your sound taken away everything's muffled so you're just creeping along and now like i found myself doubling back and looking behind me to make sure nothing was sneaking up on me that i couldn't hear because then yes i go into the panic frenzied slapping everybody with my uh flamethrower or, or or plasma cutter and it just it it made me really appreciate how well they designed the sounds of the game. Isaac's muffled screams whenever something happens because it sounds like he's wearing a helmet. And even though he doesn't have an overt voice act, he doesn't have lines. You still have a guy in there groan, groaning, grunting, where something happens, and it all sounds like he's in a ship in space being attacked by these undead things. And everything that they did with the game on a sound design, on, a, on the design of the HUD, what it sounds like, like if you put on your subtitles and from the latest Stranger Things uh, season, you know, the, the meme everybody uses, the squelching sound, mm-hmm. how much that occurred. And you're like, oh, God, they have a lot of underlying layers in the design of the sound of this game to keep you engaged and to keep you paranoid about what's going on around you. And I really appreciated that still, even though playing on the Steam Deck with not the greatest speakers, still came through to a point. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, especially especially at... They were able to make like your footsteps and the way that they echoed, they made you feel the size of the spaces you were in. They felt weighty, yeah. Yeah, they like there were sections that felt claustrophobic, but more than that, more often than that, there were these wide open spaces where you felt so small. And you just hear your echoing footsteps in this disgusting, rusty thing. And you come around a corner and you see, you know, blood splattered on the wall and broken glass and you know, there's just it makes you not want to turn the corner. And then, you know, it, you walk through the same corridor a few times and nothing happens. And then you start to take for granted that you're safe. And then all of a sudden, rawr, rawr, you know, and you, you don't even know where it's coming from. You just start panicking. <clears throat> the sound oh, God, is on yeah. and just the atmosphere 
it perfectly takes the the aesthetic from Ridley Scott's Alien, where it, the ships don't look like Star Trek ships. They don't look shiny right. and new. They're <laughs> they're very you like they they look like actual vessels where people would do work. They're greasy. They're grimy. They're you know they they have a lot of texture to them, and you know it, it just makes it feel like a lived in place. And then when you start adding those layers of like all of a sudden, well, here's a pile of severed limbs and here's, you know, it looks like something shed its skin on this corner. Like it just makes you that much more aware that if it were you walking through that ship by yourself and realizing, wait a minute, all the other people that were with me, like (laughs) when we got here and now they're not walking through this place with me now, you know, it, it really does immerse you in that environment of like, I am by myself and I might not be like capable of dealing with what this ship has prepared for me. I just, I love so, every aspect of it. So Josh, you know, you bring up all that design sound and, and how something will draw your attention to me, the way some of the monsters sounded and you knew yeah. which monster you were going to fight based uh-huh. off that sound, those fucking glow arm yes. things yes. Like, I was gonna bring oh, that they up. can smash you <laughs> them and the wall necromorphs that launched mm-hmm. out the single tentacle uh-huh. yeah. pods yeah every time I heard that sound I was like oh god I, I don't want to do this you just turn around <laughs> and go deal with something else yeah. <laughs> like I'll come back to this later <laughs> that shriek man that it's like yeah, getting a phone little. call, looking down and seeing that it's your mother-in-law. You're like, you know yeah. what? It can get a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not That's talking so to that right now. That's so good. Well, yeah, I want to chime in on that, man. I'm I second all that stuff. I mean, everything you guys are saying, man, the presentation in the sound alone set the tone and it really built the atmosphere. Uh, it, Matt had pointed out the hood. I was... I was going to liken that to kind of graphical stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like the actual overall presentation, but you're right. Cause that eliminating nonsense on the screen that gamified your, what you're doing and putting your health bar down your spine, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you look at your map, it's like a, a, or you even, even with the, um, the video, the videos and the, and the the communications you have with other people had, it's like a little, little hollow screen that kind of like little hologram that pops up in front of your face. And the little chime they use for that to come in, the the sound of the necromorphs. I mean, like even just that, like when Josh mentioned earlier, the, uh, the, the map system where you just kind of throw your hand down, it's like a little blue and it shows you kind of where you need to be heading. Like all of that presentation that built into the atmosphere, all of it was stellar. I think it was awesome. It was very original. And I don't think enough games have learned from that. I think as we've gotten farther away from it, actually, I think that, especially in the horror genre, we should live inside of no hoods, like sound dictating, you know, where things go and, and, and how you, how you do things. And like, you guys are talking about the different sounds that the necromorphs made. Like, Oh my gosh, dude, when you, you knew when that little glowing mm-hmm. friggin' thing was coming at you, even the big giant fat one. Uh, but it was just so, it was, it was so well done. Um, the crunch, from from stepping on things and from mm-hmm. from stomping on the enemies. I mean, it was oh, 
every every ounce of the sound design in this game in my opinion is stellar and really propels this game to to being as as impactful as it was in that experience well Daryl, let me ask you this go for it you know we keep talking about how every aspect of the design of this game is so stellar do you think that the reason we don't get so many experiences that are like this now is because so many of the games are so rushed through development and so many parts of it are shipped out to, you know, different, you know, different people to work on this section and that section. We don't get that unified vision that and the passion project that we used to get. We just get a product they put together as quickly as they can. And they, you know, the, the work conditions are, are, you hear all these horror stories about how hard it is to be a game designer now. Uh, do you think that's why these older games are so good? It's because they actually took the time to perfect every aspect of them. I would like to think that it, it's something like that. I would like to think that it's like passion and behind the project. But I also, I don't think anyone goes out of their way to do a bad job. So it's, for me, it's hard to think that like these games that are coming out now lack passion. Well, not so much passion, it's just that they get rushed. I, I, I think that, yeah, I do agree that there is some rushing to it. I also think that once a game like this hits, then the company gets involved. Like, yeah. if you look at, like, Resident Evil and Dead Space, <clears throat> for example, even Evil Within to an extent, when one of these games comes out and they hit, and it's like, man, Dead Space was a big deal when it came out. Everyone I knew pl- was playing Dead Space, you know? Here we are all these years later, still talking about Dead Space. Dead Space is getting ready to come back out again. Dead Space 2 leaned more into the action, a little less on the horror. The atmosphere was still good, but no one says Dead Space 2 is better than Dead Space 1. And then Dead Space 3, it was riddled with design challenges and design flaws, in my opinion. Although still a great game, uh, it added the multiplayer. It became more of an action game. It came much less about the atmosphere and the horror. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil does the same thing. It's like it's like it'll come out with a monumental game that's like super horror, and then it's like, oh man, we got to do that again. We got to turn it up to eleven. And they tend to move away from what made the game special to begin with. I think part of that is all also that the stakes have to raise. You know, I think this is a problem not just in video games, but I think it's also a problem in in entertainment in general movies especially comic books especially but i mean like if you if you think about it so dead space one like you said earlier he's an engineer he's not a space marine all right mm-hmm. in dead space two now he's already lived through this trauma so like are we just gonna reset are we gonna strip him down to his underwear and make him build another mech suit another thing no he's he's seasoned so now we got to turn and we've already fought these big bosses but how do we wow the crowd again well we got to raise the stakes again we got to get bigger we got to get more explosive and i think that chasing that next it's almost like like what what they call it chasing the white rabbit like when you get your first experience with some sort of drug it's like oh my gosh it was revolutionary so then you spend the rest of your time chasing that initial experience I think it's a lot like that because if you look at like comic books, right? Like, like we'll look like DC comics, especially it's like, we'll have like a cool story. And then from there we got to get bigger, right? Because we we've already, we've already saved the, saved 
uh, Gotham City. Now we got to save the, the the whole country. And then the next big story is we got to make the event bigger. It's, we got to raise the stakes. And now we got to save the world. Well, we've already saved the world. Now what we do? Well, we got to save the galaxy. Then we got to save the multiverse. And it just seems like things always get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they raise the stakes and they try to wow you and get you to chase that white rabbit again, where it's all like you, you, you lose sight of what made this special in the first place. So do I think things are rushed? Absolutely. We hear, hear horror stories all the time about the nature of game development and, and the nature of tech and in, in entertainment in general. It's always move to the next thing, move to the next thing, move to the next thing. But I think a lot of it, especially with horror, is that when you raise the stakes, you you lose what made it special to begin with uh, because you're making it bigger and, 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 and in quotes, better. You well, know? and also, once you've seen the shark, Jaws isn't scary anymore. Exactly, exactly. So, it, it, you know, I imagine it's very difficult. It, I mean, if you look at, like, and you look at franchises like Resident Evil as an example, like, man, they've done a really good job, you know, staying relevant for 25 years. The problem is, in order to do so, you almost have to do the DC thing where you got to kind of go, escalate, 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 boom, reboot. Go, escalate, 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 boom, reboot, you know? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, that's what's happening with Dead Space now because Dead Space 1 was a horror game. Dead Space 2 was a horror action game. Dead Space 3 was an action game with horror elements. So let's hope that the remake capitalizes on what made Dead Space Special to begin with, but then also modernizes it in a way that makes it fresh so that we can go, okay, this fan base really does exist and we really are hungry and hopes that we get more games. Dead Space 4, things of that nature. So, um, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something I did want to kind of like uh, chime in on, I guess, as far as Dead Space goes in general, and again, kind of sticking with the sound, um, is like like CJ was saying, I can't think in my head right now of one particular piece or track of music aside from the theme song, the Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in the very beginning of the game. Right? Mm. Now, that's good and bad because it's good in the sense that everything about the game made me feel so uneasy that they did capitalize on what CJ was talking about. They capitalized on silence, you know? That's how they were able to trip me into the the jump scares. That's how they were able to fool me into thinking that something was coming from the left when it was coming from the right, when it was busting through a gate or or a grate, something above me, you know? On the flip side of that, the most memorable piece of music, in my opinion, was the actual opening scene because it set the tone for how creepy things are going to be. And then it, it did exactly what it needed to do. It orchestrated all the events to keep my suspense level built, but yet didn't stand out so much that I go, Oh yeah, I remember this piece of music being good or bad. Um, that being said, Zachary, one of our co-hosts, he wrote in, he said, sorry guys, I can't be there tonight. I believe the game is very strong. Even in today's market of survival horror, it is very easy to navigate. And the storyline has been fantastic. My only gripe is that it, it feels a little predictable at certain points. A plus on the soundtrack though. So uh that kind of gives his opinion on the sound, but also kind of propels us into where I want to go to kind of round this out. Isaac, make us whole again. 
we talked about how the game played. We talked about how the game presented itself. Okay. But like a lot of games, it's make or break on the story. Now, CJ, I'm going to kick it over to you. Um, you're the farthest removed. <laughs> um, do you remember, I mean, or, or I have this rather, what do you remember about the story and what did you, what do you remember thinking about the story? Oh, it's a, that's a stretch for me. I don't, I didn't play it for, and as a, like I play a lot of narrative games, so I think it's fair to say it. I didn't find the story. Like I wasn't, you're after you're trying to find some female companion or something or something like this. And yes. yeah, you go yeah. through to the end and I like, I don't know. I found the gameplay was far more interesting to me than the story but that could be because the narrative games i play are so narrative based that the game loop is non-existent to the so you know <laughs> like it's either one or the other for me but yeah like uh, so i mean like i don't know i think it comes back to that immersion that sometimes if there's too much story as well it feels less uh, less immersive you know i mean maybe if, yeah. especially it has to see for me if there's a lot of reading of collectibles i i really come out of the zone of the game so the only way to avoid that is then to have it voiced but then i come out of the zone because you know i'm like oh well it doesn't sound like me or that's not something i would say and so i'm watching a movie as opposed to being an active maybe participant in it even though you're right. driving driving the action but it's funny because i've been thinking about the whole time what you were saying just before about that and like just sort of laughing in my head because all games are becoming action rpgs to some degree like that's the genre yes. that that sells and like i wonder with games like it's this game is it's a game of its time because the only one outside of resident evil that are really making you know horror pure horror or you know survival horror are indie studios and they're capped by budgets usually and the games are like four to five hours with maybe the exception obviously of capcom resident evils and that seems to be like long enough for a horror game like i'm not sure how you sustain horror you know, for, for 20 hours. I think that's part of the problem is that, you, you know, you can't, you can't sustain that tension forever. And, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like the, the current, you know, most played horror games, you know, by the masses I imagine that would sell would be these, you know, dark pictures games and, and that recent one or whatever they did, the quarry. And, yeah. you know, like are they games or not? Like, you know, technically you're moving and you're doing stuff, but they're so close to passive games, you know, and, like how they sustain the horror is, I, I don't know if any of you played that yet, but even that is a stretch. Like, you know, that, that game feels long for what it is and like, it's good or whatever, but I think that that's the, the problem. And by turning something into this action RPG, you, you can, you know, substantially increase the length without freaking people out with an RPG. Cause no one has time for that, you know, anymore. And th this is going to slowly erode the horror game that maybe only needs to be like three or four hours, you know, because, to, to build that tension in you and then you know you have the flip side like it's like this last of us remake situation now it's like oh i'm not going to pay fucking you know 70 dollars for a four-hour game and so it's all tied up and you know you, you say they're like oh it's the you know the, the company or whatever the, the devs are putting stuff out with not enough time but i don't think there's a win-win situation in this genre like you know they they have to sell the product and to sell it they have to fit into these parameters and these parameters seem to me horror is it seems to be the hardest genre because not everyone's going to play it because you know not everyone can handle it or whatever else and so it's being softened to, to widen the pool more than any other style of game probably 
that I can think of anyway. And I don't know. I think it's concerning. If I was a horror game fan, I think it's really concerning because I think your future is totally tied up in the indie studios because the biggest studios will move further and further away from from this pure genre. Well, that, that's how I see it. And that seems to be how it is at the moment. And, you know, while, while like, I know you, is it the Clister Protocol or whatever is coming uh, yes. December, which is basically, you know, a version of this game by the sound of it, it's a similar thing. Yep. It'll be, if, if I think that's an action RPG too. So, you know, you're, you're moving more and more away from some sort of horror, like, you know, your visage style horror or something that, that's truly scary into this, this middle ground, which, you know, I mean, I don't think it's the, the style of game you like, maybe it is, but it seems to be what's happening. And I don't, I don't know that it's a time thing. I don't think giving them more time is going to fix it. I think it's the, the, the view of the shareholders and the company that this is the where, where games are going. And, you know, that's, that's worrying, I think. Well, I like I like a couple of things that you that you mentioned. So I want to jump in real quick before I turn it over to Matt. But I, I definitely agree about that razor's edge of balance on time that you can sustain actual terror, mm. and especially in a game like this where you don't have that ever present threat. You know, like that one thing that chases you the whole time that can can be really scary or really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um. There is one enemy in the game that that technically isn't killable until the very end, but he you can easily sustain him. You can cut his legs, arms off, stasis him, and then run away from it and get you can get away. Um, but that being said, like yeah, I definitely see that that balance that you're that you're talking about and how hard it is to to maintain that balance because you know games. It is hard to to maintain your people's attention span. I mean, I'm prime example. You can look at my PSN profiles and see my attention. Uh, I'm not. I'm no. I'm not one to talk. You know, but it's like the mark of a good, a truly good survival horror game is that they do manage to keep you for eight, ten, fifteen hours. You know, uh, but if you look at the pattern, they usually ramp up the action as you get towards the end. You know. Like even Dead Space, by the time you get to the end of the game, you're strapped to the gills with really, really awesome weapons with crazy modifications. And, you know, when you get to the final boss, I mean, like it's it's really not that difficult to to defeat the boss, at least on the on the earlier difficulties, rather. Um, and it's more so just by then it's like a, I, I'm being rewarded for all of my inventory management and my and my progression. So, uh, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. And I agree that the, the indie scene really has taken the horror genre and ran with it. And it, that does seem to be a safe place for horror to be experimental. Um, because you can, you can do things on a budget for a little while and you don't necessarily have to captivate that, that large scale, um, but I will say we're getting ready to test those that theory because Callisto Protocol is created by the original creator of Dead Space, Glenn Schofield. So that's coming out in December. Then in January, we get the Dead Space remake. So we're going to see what these games do back to back and how they perform. And then right afterwards in March, we're getting the Resident Evil 4 remake, which is taking the horror approach because the original version of Resident Evil 4 was much more action-based than how these latter games have been. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're getting Alan Wake 2 and the new Alone in the Dark. So 
Uh, I said this on our last Patreon episode that uh, us survival horror fans are getting ready to be eating real good. Uh, but we better be ready to open them wallets up if we want to maintain this kind of pace because we're going to learn real soon. It, and this will be, definitely be, mark my words, I believe this wholeheartedly. This will be a time where the shareholders start looking. They go, is it sustainable to stay in this market? Well, yeah. A lot of horror games coming out with big budgets. Will we will we bite them? Bite on them. So, um, but to get back to the story stuff, Matt, what did you think, man? What do you remember of the story? Did the story work for you? Did you enjoy the way it uncovered itself? So I actually had to go back a little bit and do some wikiing on the story because it actually took me a moment to remember how the main focal point of this game, the marker. And how that played into what was happening on Age of Seven and Ishimura. And even more so, I don't want to go into too much spoiler here, but I will mention that the the giant Easter egg in your face as you play through the game really took me by surprise. <laughs> and it's not something I saw in other games, so it's not like I knew to look for it. So after you're reading, you know, after you beat the game and you do what you, I tend to do, maybe you guys don't, but I tend to, I start reading everything about the game. (laughs) And I remember going back and going, hey, did you see this? And I go, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) But it also makes me think if you knew to look for that, you'd start getting what it was hinting at like six or seven chapters in correct so it's like okay it's neat that they did it but definitely wasn't integral to the overall story it was a, it was a nice little little featurette again having isaac as a silent protagonist lets you focus a lot on the rest of the people around you and you said it, i can remember if we started recording or not and you were talking about kendra it's like man <laughs> i hate that woman yeah. she sucks <laughs> She totally sucked. And I didn't remember how much she sucked until I played through it again. I was like, and when Rick said it out loud, I was like, dude, yes, you're freaking right. She does suck. <laughs> like every time she's on, on there, it's like she's griping, complaining, or she's like, like telling you to go do something. I'm like, it's yeah, almost I like she's a woman. Woman. I know, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, <geez>. who <laughs> So, so. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sure, Josh. I, I see those finger quotes. Uh, so yeah, like I know some other. I, I think even Rick had mentioned that he he wasn't a fan of the silent protagonist because he said, you know, you can't tell me Isaac wouldn't be throwing out f bombs and s bombs yeah. as he's getting slaughtered. But like I said, it allowed you to focus a lot more on the other characters that surround you, and I think they did a good job making those characters likable or hateable. You know, whether it was Kendra or Hammond or the the mad doctor or the other person trying to help you. I forget all those names, so right. it tells you how much I actually paid attention. Mm-hmm. But then you have all the audio logs, the the mm-hmm. text logs, which told you what was going on around the ship. And it brought me back to the Resident Evil days, where if you really want to see what's going on, they put everything you need in the game. Mm-hmm. It tells you everything that happens. Just pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some speedrunners, if they've never played the game before, might miss some of that integral stuff. And the fact that this marker 
may not be what you think it is. And they flesh that out more in Dead Space 2. So I really liked what they did. And some of the twists and turns were neat. Some of the tropes, you know, the mad scientist wanting to ascend to the higher plane because this is God's will. It, it really, they, they took some tropes, but it wasn't tiresome. I wasn't like groaning at any of the things that they did. It was like, Oh, okay, that's neat. Or wow. I really liked what they did there. So I, I felt, for the time back in the day the story was good and it's kind of like with the last of us remake i think it still holds up awesome 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 all right josh your thoughts uh well i see this is the this is my actually my favorite thing about dead space uh as a game as a franchise and again i've read all the books and comics and stuff i love a game that has lore and it doesn't have to be like out in front of me, like while I'm playing. But I love knowing that there is like a deep well of lore to inform my experience of the game. So the thing that works so well for me with Dead Space, and to some degree, this also is why I like. You know, you mentioned Daryl Event Horizon. Like one of the things that I love about horror is when horror plays with religion. Yes. Like, so this idea that, you know, humans at this point had found these markers that, you know, or they look like a double helix DNA that were created by some kind of alien intelligence. And then they start trying to reverse engineer and make their own. And it starts creating these, visions and and of ultimately transforming dead things into living things and they build this whole church of unitology and it's so clear especially further on in the franchise that this is it's a cult and it's you know they make it seem a lot like scientology to where yep. you know you buy in and the more you believe if you want to go further in this you you know you pay for it the fact that this game shows us a world where that cult you know that type of religious fanaticism is so widespread that it it almost overwhelms society i i love that like mm-hmm. i love the the way the game you know takes something that we like death, which you die in so many games. I mean, we've been dying in games since <laughs> Pitfall and Sorry. Atari, or, you know, Frogger. We've been dying in games, but in this, you know, it's that idea of death and what comes next, which is an existential fear for almost any human being on this planet. So, you know, when you, when you, this game, the story works for me so well because it plays with that idea of the religious sphere of the afterlife. And what if, you know, like it, it's hard to imagine people looking at a necromorph and saying, well, that's eternity, that's eternal life. But like at the same time, I, I can understand why people w- would fall for that mm-hmm. and want to be a part of that. So like, to me, 
not only is it a scary game from this in, in the sense that oh the monsters are scary and and the place is scary i just love that background lore of a religion fully off the rails and the yes. fact that there are people who want you know the whole idea of unitology is that they would love this church would love for every person to be a necromorph because in their mind that's heaven we all have eternal life we are all one that's terrifying to me <laughs> so like i love i love that that is the backdrop to this story and then our character you know isaac gets dumped into this not even knowing that <laughs> what what what's waiting for him on this ship is you know basically this the pursuit of this religion and he has to pick up the pieces and try to survive it. And it's taken someone he loves. So like, there's also that idea of, you know, somebody that you care about sort of having the, you know, the imagine that your, your person that you love comes to you and they they've sold everything they own and they've joined a cult, you know, and they're out there with Charles Manson in the desert somewhere. And you know, that's, that's, you haven't heard from them ever since you know i, I just yeah. i don't know that that resonates with me better th more than a lot of games like i know that the you kind of have to read it between the lines to get some of that stuff but you know i don't know that's why i love dead space so much i love the religious angle of the horror yes yeah. you know and that's why event horizon is so cool to me is that idea of like if this ship you know that that disappeared if it spent so much that all the whole time it's been gone, it's been in hell, like a literal yes. spiritual <laughs> hell, hell yes. and come back. You know, I, I don't know. I like that. And I, I think that there's not many, certainly not many games that delve into that kind of horror. Um, you know, Silent Hill plays with the idea of cults a little bit. And I, but I don't think it actually delves in. It, it's it's more of a character a caricature of religion than you know the Church of Unitology and the Dead Space series. It feels like a real religion, and it feels like something that people would like. I feel like Tom Cruise would be beating down their door <laughs> to join them. <laughs> Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so that's so well said, and that like really just captures my so many of my thoughts as well. Um, and I think it's also it resonates because you and I both come from you know religious mm -hmm. backgrounds, so it's just like at any given time, some offshoot of something that we participate in and believe in could turn into this. Like yeah. in my mind, I'm so like quick. Yeah, like there's there's fanatical Christians out there that like I'm sure it would take nothing for them to think to believe that oh yeah necromorph let's do this let's go um so I, I just think I think that stuff's awesome and super interesting too uh, something I wanted to kind of piggyback on kind of marrying two of the things we've talked about tonight is the silent protagonist and the actual narrative that's being the the the, the actual plot device of why you know Isaac is there. You know, one of the things that I thought about is the fact that, like, the the whole climax, the whole twist at the end of the game only only works if he doesn't speak. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at any given time, mm -hmm. 
And, you know, and if you think about like what's happening there, you're like, why don't you just say something? Why don't you just say, Hey, you, are you, is this like legit? <laughs> like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Like, are we, are we, are we doing this? Like so many things. If it was my wife, I would have been like, show me your boobs. You know? like, I mean, what? <laughs> Pop the top off. Yeah. Like real quick. I know I'm necromorphs. So I got to see some boobs. I'm just kidding. Uh, I probably would say that, but like yeah. getting back to like the seriousness of it all is like, it's like that twist only worked because he didn't speak in the game. And that was something that I didn't think about the first time through. Cause the first time I was like, Whoa, didn't see that coming. You know, I thought it was cool and it worked for me. And, you know, but the thing is, it's like you were saying with the, with the, the unitology and just the lore and the, and the, the way the church worked, it's just that I was so enamored in everything else that the obvious thing in your face didn't even, it didn't resonate. It was like, Oh, okay. I, yeah. Everything's, everything's only up and up here. Nothing to see here. But this freaking church, oh my gosh, all this stuff going on. All right, this this marker, make us whole, Isaac, make us whole. I'm like, I was this, all that stuff had me so kid in a candy store, just like distracted. And then when the actual twist happened, I'm like, oh, it worked. It got me. It was awesome. It was awesome. I don't, I don't think that by any stretch that the through line story of, um, Dead Space is some masterpiece of storytelling, but I think it's it's a master of nuance. I think that the things that it did, it worked only because of the sum of its parts, not because of any one piece was better than the other. You know, That's like fair. the story of Unitology is awesome. The marker is awesome. The girlfriend, wife, whatever she was. That's also cool. All that stuff works. The only reason they work the way they did is because of the atmosphere and the gameplay and the silent protagonist and just the, the, it is, it was the sum of its parts that made it great. Not just the, not one thing. Like if you look at the last of us, the last of us is not a good game because of its gameplay. No one says, God, dude, you know what? I love the shooting mechanics of the last of us. You know what? I love moving boxes and lifting Ellie up to, to traverse the the platforms. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No one ever says that's the best part of last week. It's the story. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it set the tone for the story in the very beginning when your daughter dies. Like the last of us ripped the bandaid off so hard and so fast, so aggressively mm-hmm. that everything it did afterwards, it was like it kicked it is it's like it 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 hurt you mm-hmm. so then it could then rebuild you it was a symphony of storytelling. It was that, that I feel like that story is so well told, so well done. Um, with, with dead space, it still resonates and it still slaps. It hits, but it doesn't do it the same way. It does it just with nuance. And it was when you take the whole experience together and it's in its fullest form, it's like, man, that really worked. And, and I don't know that it, any one piece worked, you know, by itself. And I say that as someone who has read the comic books, who has read, uh, who has watched the animated films as well. You know, I, I enjoy this. I've actually been trying to figure out a way to work that into our Patreon deep dive stuff is to like, I've pitched to the crew. Hey, let's watch dead space aftermath. Well, I mean, not everybody's really familiar with the games. Aftermath by itself doesn't work mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like it's fine, but it's, it's, it's a complimentary piece 
but it, to it. But if you've played the games, it enriches yes. that story so yes. much. Yes. And that's the thing that I, that's the part that hasn't, I haven't been able to, you know, work with, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, our crew has, doesn't really, you know, I don't want to say they don't care. They just, they're not invested. They haven't, they haven't experienced it the way I've experienced it. Muggles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, uh, and when you put it all together, like you're saying the lore, it works. And I think it works because of all of that stuff together. So. Um, I want to you know, throw in another one of the write-ins. Uh, Diego writes in on our Discord, and he says that Dead Space for him was a game that he sincerely enjoyed playing the first time. The atmosphere of the game, with Isaac being a silent protagonist, really helped immerse that feeling of dread and not knowing what was waiting around the corner in the Ishimura halls. For the record, the Ishimura is a really dope name. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I attended to play it for this month's Loot Bros Game Club, I felt like my time would be better spent waiting on the remake but that doesn't mean I don't hold the game in high regard. I would like to know, do you guys have any other recommendations of movies that might provide a similar experience to the game? He saw that Event Horizon uh, was wild and how much it reminded him of Dead Space. And I, the reason why I wanted to add that right in at this point is because we've mentioned Event Horizon so many times. And there are so many parallels to that movie from this game in themes. And like you are saying, Josh, the whole concept of Event Horizon is what if this what if this ship, you know, was transported into hell, and what would that look like when you got there? In the same way that on Dead Space, what would it look like if these creatures had ravaged the ship, and the oh, really the only people left alive are the ones that let them loose in the first place? So uh, <laughs> it's it's very good. It's very good. So guys, I uh, I definitely have enjoyed this conversation we've had. I really enjoyed talking about this game. And so I want to go around the table one more time and give you guys a just you know, chance for closing thoughts. And if there's anything that you wanted to mention that maybe we didn't cover uh, up to this point. So CJ, take it away. <laughs> no, I think it was pretty thorough um, as well. It was, it was interesting to hear you, you all talk about the story and stuff like that at the end. Cause I think I realized for me, um, it was more the gameplay loop than the, the narrative that, that interests me, which is nothing wrong with that or whatever else. Right. And yeah, that's really good. But but you know, that's because I don't think I got a lot of some of that stuff you were talking about either, which is my own fault for not, you know, m- reading the books or whatever and going deeper. There's obviously it's there. I just didn't didn't see it or didn't interact with it. So I don't know, but for me, for me that's what it was. And I was just thinking like, you know, the these like games, these horror games or something, you know, like uh, trying to trying to pitch to an audience because you know when you're younger you're not you're not afraid of death so so this idea of these you know you know ultra churches and all these sort of you know religious overtones and stuff like this is fascinating or whatever because you don't you're not going to die when you're young in your 20s or whatever and then when you get to like your 40s like something jumping off the wall is not that terrifying to you either because you know you're more likely to have a fucking heart attack or get taken out by the guy driving <laughs> his car down the other side of the street like that'd be a terrifying horror game in your 40s you know because you know you know the reality of the world <laughs> or whatever so so there's this medium of trying to find what what's truly terrifying and the the escapism that goes with with it and i think you know maybe I'm, it'll be good there is a remake coming now that i know about that stuff because i'm going to definitely delve more into that narrative side i think i think there's obviously a lot more there for me to find which, uh, it's exciting yeah awesome awesome well, i'm glad that you know we were able to convey that stuff to you because you know there's nothing wrong with playing a game and enjoying the gameplay and that being the what keeps you there because god knows there's been tons of games that i've done that on. Um, 
I think, you know, this game, for me at least, it just it did a good job of keeping me interested on both fronts. Mm-hmm. There are games that I've played that I made my way through the game because the story was good and I wasn't mm-hmm. actually having fun playing it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, the mark of a good game mm-hmm. is when it can do both. And what I love, and I think that this particular conversation has nailed exactly what I wanted from this, is that we've able to we've been able to come together with differing opinions, differing experiences, mm. and have a very in depth conversation about something uh, in this hobby that we all share. And I think that so far everyone has contributed so much to this, and this has been a very awesome and exciting conversation so uh, matt i want to i want to give you your opportunity closing thoughts is there anything that we missed that we uh need to talk about i think what this game did really well that you kind of lost in the other games were the set pieces and you know i i even though i played it recently i could still rattle off the games ishimura and age of seven because yeah. i know like th- that's the set piece of the game I remember two was set on some sort of space station. Three was a ice planet and all over the place, but I couldn't tell you the names. The, the set pieces of this game are personified as much as each individual character. And I think about the Ishimura and what goes on there. Then I thought about the final boss fight. And when I played it back in 2007, the, the, the size of the piece of planet that they cracked open yeah. that's rocketing back down to Earth. Yes. Or back down to the planet. And it's it's just massive in scope what the game did. And it was laser scalpel precision in all of the different parts that they executed. And it all played so well. And it's truly you know, we all talk about our top tens. I don't I don't think I'd be able to ni- name a top ten game. Uh, that stays in place my entire life. But if we go to top 50, it's definitely in my top 50 or top 25 games of all time. And I'm really glad that this game came up for us to play. Heck yeah, man. Very well said. All right, Josh, I'm going to let you close us out, man. Your final thoughts, anything that we need to discuss or something we might have missed? Or- well, one thing, what I wanted to, to chime in on here at the end, uh, the last... Uh, uh, submitted thing that you read asked a question about movies i know we mentioned event horizon we talked i mentioned uh the original alien from like the aesthetics of the ships and stuff uh there's two other movies that if you enjoy dead space and you want to have a similar experience with movies uh there's a it's not a very well known movie uh but Just is it the one with Edward Norton or not? No, Ed is Ed Farser? Pandorum? Pandorum, yeah. Yes. All right, so I Pandorum. Knew, I, I was, yeah. And um it's this these these people wake up on a spaceship from out of like cryogenic sleep or whatever. They wake up, they have completely lost their memory, and they're experiencing things that may or may not be real. There's this idea of like Pandorum being like a the idea of lo- kind of losing your mind from from being under for too long in, in hypersleep. And the ship has been overtaken by some very scary things. And I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil yes. anything because it's a really good, a good movie, movie and it has some pretty cool twists in it. 
Uh, but aesthetically and from the idea of like the, the type of story is very similar to a Dead Space uh, kind of experience. The other thing I would say is if you enjoy the aesthetic of like the creatures themselves, like the, just the gross, like human bodies melted together kind of thing that, that it gives you with the enemies in this game. If you've never seen John Carpenter's The Thing, dude, the body horror <laughs> alien stuff that, that that movie, like to be as old a movie as it is, you, I, I actually took that movie a couple of years ago with some teenagers and showed it to them who had never seen it. And it scared the living daylights out of them. Like it's still so like it's it's incredible, uh, practical effects like pre CGI stuff, and the 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 goopy, gooey, disgusting body horror creatures in that movie are. There's no way that Dead Space exists if that movie wasn't made. So like that, I would recommend for anybody looking for movies, Pandorum, The Thing, Alien, and Event Horizon. All right, you, you can't go wrong with those. Yep, I 100% uh, agree with that. And Pandorum and Event Horizon are the two that I always, I think about Dead Space, I think about those movies, when I think about those movies, I think about Dead Space. Like yeah. uh, Dennis Quaid was also one of the guys yep. uh, in Pandorum as well. And yeah, excellent movie. I actually watched that not too long ago. That's uh, one of the, it's crazy actually, that was one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought. When Blu-ray first came out, I was like, oh man, I got Pandorum on Blu-ray. I bought it from Blockbuster. Actually, it's still in the Blockbuster case. So it's <laughs> pretty interesting little fact. But yeah, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, CJ. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for everyone who wrote in. Um, man, this was awesome. At least for me, I thought it was great. I hope that you guys enjoyed your time here. I hope you guys listening enjoyed uh your time here. Um Typically, we do like the backlog beatdown and the uh, and the leaderboards in the beginning of the show. Today, we're going to do them at the end of the show. Uh, so, I definitely hope you enjoyed um, this this conversation, this deep dive, this uh, game club because yeah, I think that uh, this was a good one to start it off with. So, uh, the next one will be uh, Ghost of Tsushima. We will have uh, we'll have a, a nice diverse uh, cast on there. Uh, as well and you guys are always you you three guys especially are always welcome on the show i absolutely love having you tonight this was this worked out really well it really started to look like tonight might not be a great night uh <laughs> as the 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 typical co-host all have things going on and sickness and all that good stuff uh and then as it worked itself out this was the exact conversation that i saw in my vision for this so this was perfect so thank you guys for coming on um, thank you guys for being a part of this. Um, I will be putting some things in the show notes, ways to get in touch with, uh, with Josh and, uh, and his works. And, um, obviously CJ, uh, you and Matt are uh, easily found in the discord, you know, Ender Phoenix being Matt and, uh, you know, CJ, I think you're just CJ now. You're not a uh, tiny schlong anymore. Yeah. Possibly. Oh, no, maybe not on that one. No. <laughs> Never was tiny schlong. Cult of the tiny schlongs, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being here. Uh, definitely appreciate you. And this has been the Loot Roast Podcast. We're out of here. Bye.